0: All right, we are doing a a short series on some problems. Problems? Oh, that's an (laughs) (laughs) L. Or loneliness, if if you think it's an H. Loneliness is one of those things. We're going to talk about a couple other things. Um, We are going to talk about things like anger. Things that are struggles sometimes, real struggles for Christians as well as for non Christians. All right? So, problems that you run up against and things. When they've done surveys, they've said about one in four adults suffers with major loneliness. Okay? Loneliness. It is a lot, (laughs) and it gets worse. Can you describe what loneliness is?
1: I'm feeling
2: alone.
0: Okay, deeper than alone though, because you can feel alone and be feel okay about it.
2: Feeling like nobody is on your side, and that you are the only one standing for what you. Believe in what. Okay.
0: No one's on your side. That's one big thing, right? What else did you say, Natalia? You said something else. Um,
1: like
0: nobody likes you or someone like that. No one. For some reason, I can't write a one. No one cares. No one likes me. What else? Lonely. Lonely. We'll see, we will see some of the things that it's described like. Um, Out in Oregon, we went into, out into Oregon, I went into eastern parts of Oregon, and it is very, very dry. Were you on
1: a covered wagon? No.
0: (laughs) we did see the Oregon Trail the second time I went out there but the first time I went out there we drove along the Columbia River Gorge and the gorge itself is just the river and almost right down to the riverbank itself is so dry now what they do is they take river water and pump it and irrigate up the riverbanks a little ways but after that it is like dusty dirt desert There's some rock columns that come out of it. The day we were there, it was 100 degrees out. We rolled down the windows, we did not have air conditioning in the car. My cousin and I were going on a road trip and drove this for hours. And it felt like you were standing in a blow dryer. When we had those, it was like, you think you're gonna roll down the window, it's gonna feel cool, it was just like, hot air rolling over you for hours and hours and hours. You sweat and it just evaporated immediately because it was so dry. Out in the distance in the dirt the heat and the cool changes because it was so hot created these long mini mini tornadoes and they'd be 100 feet high and they called dirt devils. Just all of a sudden it looked like this tornado going around and it'd pick up a bunch of dirt and then disappear. And then to pick up another one you see two, three of them sometimes out on the horizon. That kind of place is the place that I think of when I'm lonely. And the Bible describes being lonely as that type of place. There's no satisfaction. It's dry, you're alone, and there's nothing to fill you up. Okay, there's nothing to, there's no water, there's no moisture, it's just dry desert. And there's nothing you're getting from anybody else, you're just all on your own, all right? So picture that as loneliness. Now I told you one in four adults, and that's an estimation, I think it's actually a little higher than one in four adults, okay? New mothers suffer from loneliness a lot sometimes old mothers too right <laughs> but they are one in two suffer loneliness okay of mothers new mothers or new with new children like okay half. Half. Yeah. okay and youth and teens <coughs> And two. <laughs> <laughs> one point five and two. Well, it's not quite that bad, but it's one and three, according to uh, some surveys they've done. One and three. Okay, so that means you three might be one of you. Could be all three of you. Could be none of you. Okay. The idea is that it's. A lot in our society and as our society has changed in the last 30 40 years things have majorly changed and what have we added to our society as a layer in our society technology do you think that connects you more and makes you less lonely or more lonely more lonely and why is that aren't you connecting with people
2: Yeah, but then you're spending more time with just people
0: online than you are with people in real life. People, people, right? (laughs) With actual people. You're missing face-to-face conversations. Okay. This, by the way, as our national average has gone through it, um, it has trended where more and more and more and more and more people are lonelier and lonelier. And we're talking, these are people that are admitting to it okay so this is one in four adults one in three teens one in two it could be higher and i'm thinking it's quite a bit higher than that but here's the interesting thing the surgeon general just came out and said that loneliness is more deadly than than smoking cigarettes So it's a pretty intense feeling. Real, true loneliness, a lot of times leads to depression. It leads people to do things that are, even maybe take their own life. Okay, when they feel so lonely, they get into despair. And when we get to talk about Pilgrim's Progress, we will get to, a portion of that uh, in doubting castle, okay, in the slough of despondency, will see times when pilgrim feels so alone and so without hope. Right? Hope is a key part of the battle against loneliness. But here's another interesting little tidbit for you. One of the one of the groups in the United States in the West anyways that reports the least levels of loneliness are the Amish people (laughs) now I'm not saying anything about their beliefs in as much as they choose a certain lifestyle right and they have a lot of face-to-face time Okay, so it's just an interesting little fact. But basically what they're saying is with loneliness, if you suffer from loneliness, it could take up to 30 years off your life. Okay? And that's just by doing things and taking things. People will go and they'll be connected and they'll be in their job and they'll do things and they'll retire and all of their connections may go. They may not be, they're not connected to their job anymore. Maybe they didn't have groups of friends. Maybe they didn't have anybody else and they had no way to connect, didn't go to church, didn't do things and all of a sudden, severely alone, loneliness sets in deeply and without really having a physical ailment they just shut down okay it is a very powerful thing so we're going to look at a little bit of what that is that empty feeling that lonely feeling and in the Bible talks quite a bit about it in fact there's so much i can't really cover it all in one night but we're going to pick a few highlights and one of the places i always really like to go is in psalm psalm chapter number 25 this is david and we know that david went through ups and downs in his life i love david because he pours his heart out and he's not all riding high all the time, happiest guy you ever met, and all the great things. There's some times where he's down in the dirt. He's made mistakes and he's made big ones and he's continued to do things and he's got a lifestyle he chose that wasn't so good here and this way and that way. But he also really truly loves God. Really truly is a friend of God. And God said, I have called him my friend. Okay? So, Psalm chapter 25, verse number 16, 17, and 18, please. This is what David is saying about loneliness.
2: Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted.
1: The troubles of my heart are in glare over me, thou out of my distresses.
0: Look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Okay, here he is, and he says, I'm standing here waiting. I am desolate. Desolate is a word that you would use like I described in that desert Nothing's out there. There's not a single plant. There's no form of life out there. At least there's no visible form of life out there, okay? It's dry and dusty, and David feels alone, and he is looking up to God, but he feels alone. And I've felt this lots of times. Many times, it doesn't matter how many people are around you, okay? Because somewhere in here, you said no one's on your side and no one cares. That's how you guys described it. I put it in like desert. That's, that's what I added, desert-like feeling. Okay. But when you are lonely, if you really are feeling lonely, it doesn't matter if there's 10 people around you or 1,000 people around you. Loneliness is not a function of how many people you are around, or how many people even approve of you. There's something else going on. People go and they want to have followers, right? That's today in social media, they want followers. They want to get 10,000 followers, and they want to get 100,000, and a half a million followers, and a million followers. They want people to like them. And that's the truth. There's a great desire in people to be liked. And if you get 10,000 likes, that doesn't mean that you won't be lonely, right? Because what you said is, no one's on my side and no one really cares. A like, somebody hitting a thing on a social media, doesn't mean that you are supported and that you feel like that is your best friend now. Because that's not really true, right? That's not a real connection with a real person. There's a person out there that hits a little button and moves on with their day. they don't really care. Ah, that's amusing, ah, that's, and then on they go, okay? So it doesn't add value, at least in the level of Does this person actually care about, does this person actually like me? Just because they hit the like button, right? (laughs) so good, but maybe it's not really. Maybe that's not really what matters, okay? Because we find loneliness continues to grow and grow and grow. This is not only an issue in America. This is an issue all across the West, and this is an issue all across the world. Okay, so there's something else going on right social media is all across the world It's not social media's fault that people feel lonely. It doesn't help it. Okay? It doesn't add anything good Necessarily to their life and it may not take away anything, but what it does do is Sometimes distract people from real relationships Okay Now, I'm not saying you can't talk to your friend, and I'm not saying you can't do things through social media. You can use it however you choose to use it, but it's not enough, okay? It's not a real relationship, and it's not a function for a real relationship. So here he is. He's reaching out and saying, God, please, I feel lonely. I'm depressed. I feel empty. I feel like a desert inside of me no matter what, so I keep looking. I keep looking up for you, waiting for you to get me. Now, uh, flip uh, go back to page yeah, go back to verse 14 and 15. Okay? 14 and 15 and we read 16, 17, and 18 already. To it? Yes, please.
2: The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will shew them his covenant.
1: My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out
0: of the land. Alright, I'm looking at God because there is something about those who fear God. There is a secret. Something that he calls the secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear, God, okay? Those that have a relationship with him, those that follow him, those, and he says, I'm ever looking because there is this secret that God has. It's a secret. Now, if you listen, uh, well, I'll come to that in a minute. Always looking at him, always, and says, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. So have you ever heard of a lady-in-waiting? It's an old term, more middle-aged type term. Um, Those who were in royalty had ladies-in-waiting. Okay? And what did a lady-in-waiting do? What did they do? They waited. <laughs> yeah. What did they wait for? Excellent! Wonderful! Okay. What did they wait for? husband? Nope.
2: Didn't they wait to meet the next person? Like when they died? No. Like, oh, i next. Nope.
0: Oh. Did what they these.
2: Waited on them with food? Like, oh. They
0: waited on them oh. hand and foot. Oh, so like they are. Survey. They would go around with them. And anything that the royalty person needed, okay, usually the ladies-in-waiting were with, the, with a queen or with a duchess or whomever, right? They go and they're ready, waiting and looking for what? Anything. Anything that?
2: They
0: can on. Okay. <laughs> anything that because she Needs. Needs. Or wants. or wants, right? Anything she needs or anything she wants. So they are being a word that I'm going to use. Attentive. Right? If you are paying attention, if you are a lady-in-waiting, right? And you're following the queen around, you're waiting and looking. You're not just saying, ask me and I'll give it to you. You're saying, oh, I see you might need a pillow on this. I see you might need a drink. I see you might need the whatever, Uh, your robes are too long, so I'll pick them up and carry them on. A lady-in-waiting, right? So. This person is attentive to all of the needs and wants and desires of that person. That means they're paying close attention to the situation. That's the way I want you to think about waiting on God. You're paying close attention. You're attentive to the situation. What is happening? You've got a relationship with God and you're trying to understand what he wants. Now if you get to do what he wants, if you go and you find what he wants, typically what that means is it's something for you in the end. It's something that will bless you. Now I'm not saying it won't be hard, but in the end it will bless you if you follow that trail. If you're always looking, and that is the careful relationship of being attentive to God. What does God want me to do? I'm waiting, I'm waiting, all right? So those who fear God have the secret of the Lord, okay? Okay? And David's saying, I'm waiting, I'm doing it, I'm trying, I'm being attentive to what God has. All right, move on here. So he also mentioned in that sin. So let's look at a couple of things. He said, my sins, you will forgive my sins, all right? Sins can cause loneliness, okay? Okay here's here's the way that it works it's a strange cycle and the strange cycle starts with sin okay you do something wrong and when you do something wrong how do you feel guilty, guilty. okay you feel guilty And when you feel guilty, does that make you feel closer to God or further from God? Mm -hmm. Further from God. Okay. So I'm going to use the word separated. Okay. Kind of feel separated, like I don't want to really be next to God. I don't feel like I should be next to God. Now, it also, typically when you sin, also makes you feel separated from people. You want to hide You don't want to show up in a group. You don't want to be around a lot of people. Okay, so it not only separation from God, but separation we'll say God and others. Others. Okay, separation from God and others. When you feel separated from God, that's your weak moment. And your weak moment it's just when Satan has seen thousands and millions of other humans do the very same thing, and he looks for the weakness, and he whispers something like, He doesn't want you. God doesn't want you. God doesn't want you to be a part of what He is. He's not gonna forgive you for this. God does not want you to be a part of this whole thing. And so when you do that, now, he doesn't want me. Oh, no one likes me. No one wants me. Makes me feel lonely. Yes, there's the tomato, song. <laughs> All right, so here's the trick to pay attention to. This is the clever part. Satan's not done yet, right? He whispered that in your ear, you feel lonely, have you done anything wrong yet? Well, first time, right? But you're in this cycle, right? What does God want you to do? Ask forgiveness, right? And start fresh and go, break this cycle. But instead, what Satan says is, ooh, you feel lonely. That's not a very nice thing to feel. So, I can help you with that. And if you feel lonely, I can help you do things. I can medicate you. Now, I use the word medicate, and I'll add the word self-medicate, okay? This doesn't necessarily mean I'm taking an aspirin, okay? But it means I'm doing something because loneliness was painful. So I'm gonna do something to avoid the pain. I'm gonna take it away, even if it's just for a short time. It's kind of avoiding the pain, covering it over, giving myself some good feeling with something else. What, is, what are some things that people do to cover pain? Well, yeah, so what, but what do they do? I mean, some of them... What things do we have here on Earth to cover pain? Alcohol. Alcohol, that's a good one, okay? There you go, all right? So, you're going to self-medicate, and with, with self-medicating... Alcohol, that's one thing. Drugs. Drugs, okay, those are, the, those are the obvious things. And you say, well, don't worry, I'm not doing those things. <laughs> okay some people get into prescription drugs and all this some people go to a psychiatrist at this and the psychiatrist gives them drugs and they say oh that's okay right if it is something just to take away the pain you're in this cycle and you started with sin and you're gonna go back and you're gonna cover it with something else to temporarily take it away right you find oftentimes a lot of people who are really lonely on the road, musicians like Elvis used to do this. He'd shoot them up with drugs to get them all hyped up for the show, and afterwards he'd crash down, and so they'd shoot him with drugs that were would keep him calm afterwards because it was all just managing this, without dealing with the problem, managing this pain back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, okay? We do it, and there's other things we do. Sometimes, we cover it up, we eat. There's what we like to do. Some people do it. Excessively eat, cover things up, try to do things, and make it, like, really as good as we can. Okay? That's one other thing that we do. Some other things that we do are some people turn to something where they feel lonely and they figure, well, we're just gonna have sex as much as I can, right? With as many people as I can. And you can say, well, that's not good. I hope that's not you guys, but I want you not to get into that cycle where you guys get into college, those things become much more available, much more in your face, and you will see people in those cycles people that are you're like, why are they doing that? Why are they giving themselves to every person possible? Likely, it's some sort of self-medication from some loneliness or some other issue, okay? Another thing that people do is bury themselves online or with gaming, okay? I know a guy, wonderful guy, lonely guy, Uh, in six years of his life he added up the hours that he spent on video games. One particular video game. He spent literally two years, 24-7, around the clock, on one video game. Two full years, over a six year time span. Okay? That means one third of his time, of everything he did. So if he worked for eight hours and he slept for eight hours, he played video games for eight hours. For six years straight. That means he took two full years of his time. That is, I'm just in this thing, okay? I'm not thinking, right? Entertainment of any sort, okay? Entertainment. Entertainment of any sort. That could be whatever. Television or whatever. If you are filling a void with it You need a question what's really going on? Okay Pornography same thing, but pornography has an added little detail to it and that added little detail is that it makes your brain Because God created sex sex is a great thing. It's how we are all here we're all living today because that happened okay as our generations and generations of humans God created male and female and said go fruitful and be mul- uh, and yeah. go be fruitful and multiply right so have children because it's a wonderful blessing in your life but he also said get married stay together with that partner till death do these things and that's how he created the family unit. Mankind says, well, I don't really want that. I want the pleasures of that and the feelings that it gives me, which actually those things, many of the stuff you get online, and and including pornography and stuff, actually has a chemical addiction that it creates when you use it, okay? Because it's giving your brain shots of a chemical that were meant to be used in that marriage relationship, okay? And the shots of those chemicals are super intense and bonding and addictive. Just like a drug or an alcohol. So when I say self-medicating, you could do anything. Sugar's addictive, right? what do you do with it what are you trying to do are you filling in something is there something that you're not dealing with so this whole cycle goes on so you self-medicate and what happens well that causes me to sin because maybe i'm online doing something i shouldn't do or maybe i'm going to just drink a bunch of alcohol so i don't think about it and all that and i'm going to get drunk so i don't have to deal with it right i don't deal with the lonely which means in order to deal with the lonely i sin again and then I wake up from that moment of sin, and I feel more separated from the people I could hurt or did hurt and God. Satan whispers, I told you he doesn't want you. I feel lonelier, and I go again. And that's what creates addiction cycles and problems, okay? So loneliness can be a very powerful thing, but we wanna break that cycle, right? We wanna take that out and try to break it, and it is difficult. If you have learned or done this un, unaware, for years even, it's very difficult. That's why people who are addicted to alcohol or addicted to online things or whatever it is, or just go to my phone, I don't have to think, okay? My brain shuts off and I'm not dealing with the things that I would deal with if I was sitting and just thinking or talking to someone next to me. I'm just there, I don't have to think about it. And it's a self-medication. Phones are as addicting as anything, okay? It's a piece of plastic and glass and metal. Nothing inherently wrong with a phone. But what is happening is Satan uses it just as much as anybody else, right? He takes opportunities and he knows how our psyche works, he knows how our mind works, he knows our weaknesses and he plays on them, okay? And we ourselves have plenty of weaknesses, okay? So That's one thing that can really affect you. Now, the next thing is, so sin can cause loneliness. And then, there's just straight up abandonment. That can cause loneliness, okay? Real abandonment, where a real relationship gets hurt. Uh, Psalm 27, verse number seven, eight, nine, and 10, please. Again, David, who has felt these things in his life. Hear, O
2: Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, I will seek.
1: Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of
2: my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take
0: me Okay? It is the difference of this. And you will feel lonely at times, at seasons in your life, probably. Your family will in some way disappoint you, if they have not already, okay? Some way they will disappoint you, your mother and your father. And he says, well, my mother and my father do this, or when they turn their back on me, and I'm not saying your mother and your father turn your back on you, but they may you may feel that. When they do it, God won't. I'm gonna look for God's face. This is where I'm gonna look for Him. I'm gonna be attentive to Him. I'm gonna find the secret of the Lord, right? There's that secret again. We're gonna find that secret because This is the truth about human relationships, human relationships will fail you, many times, even your parents, your best friends will fail you at times, and they may even not know that they're doing it. And you think, well, I'm gonna find that perfect person to marry and everything's gonna be wonderful and they're gonna fulfill my needs, and my desires, and it's gonna be great and we're gonna ride off into the sunset, happily ever after, just like Cinderella. Or Prince Charming, it's the case maybe, right? And though it may be true that they are great people, and you've chosen a fantastic spouse, and I hope you all do, they will also fail you sometime. You will feel abandoned from them, albeit maybe a moment in time, or a season in your life, or during a certain event, or whatever it is. They will fail you, because they are human, and you will fail others. Human relationships are not enough. They are important, but they are not enough. Okay, and how do we know that? Well, they described it as this. I listened online to some things about loneliness, and I tried to get out like, what do people think will fix this? Out in the world, What do people think? And they said, well, there's this primal urge that humans have when they get separated. And they said, well, it went all the way back to when we were cave people, right? And I'm out walking along and all my cave people that lived with me or whatever left me alone. And all of a sudden I realized I'm alone and I'm in danger. And they said, "Well, it came all the way back to that cave person time when we all were molded into this, and we had this fear of being alone because there was a saber toothed tiger going to come and eat you." You have
2: okay. a man cave
0: <laughs> Well, did did er, people, uh, you know, thousands of years ago feel lonely? Sure, they did, but it's not because of They grew into this fear of dinosaurs and saber-toothed tigers, okay, or whatever might get them. Um, That's not why loneliness exists. We have the answer why loneliness exists. Go to Genesis. Right in the beginning, God talks about this. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look and see what did God do and how... Did he create us, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8, 9, and 10, please.
2: And they heard the voice of the Lord.
0: I'm no. sorry, hold on. Genesis chapter 2, let's go back first. I skipped ahead. Chapter 2, verse 18. 18, okay. 18, we'll get to that other one. But we got to have more of the story. So here's God. He's created man already. Verse number 18 and we're going to read through verse 24.
2: And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him help me for him.
0: Okay, so right away God created man and said he shouldn't be alone. So God believes that relationships with mankind, friends and others, right? Uh, mankind relationships are good. Okay? They're good. God said they're good. He said they're important, so don't just say, well, Levi said I don't need any friends. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying. It. What I am saying is. He created that. He said, it's good, I want him to have a woman. Okay, continue. Next verse, please. And we'll keep going for a few. And Adam
1: looked around the world, that formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam, to see what he we call them, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof.
2: Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh, Instead thereof. And the
1: rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made a woman, and brought her unto the man.
2: And Adam said this is now bone of my bones flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh.
0: Okay. So God created a special ability for a man and a woman in marriage is where he creates marriage and he says there's a man there's a woman they connect they are together, they're bound to one another because I brought them literally out of the same creation. I took his rib out, and created Adam, I took his rib out and created Eve from that. He could have created her from dust, but he did not. He created her right from Adam saying, this is a being together, it can be, right? And so thus, mankind has kept up the tradition, more than the tradition, God's design for marriage since the very beginning. Saying, this is a good thing. Alright? And yet, there is frustration and difficulty and things, and we've said in relationships with humans, we will find that they will falter. They will fail at times. You will feel abandoned, even with your best and closest friends or this perfect designed relationship that God created with a married couple. And why is it? Well, we know. Mankind sins. Right? When man sins, something dies inside of him. What dies? In the day you eat that fruit, you shall surely die. What dies the very day they do it? Okay, the spirit inside, right? So the spirit dies. They still have a personality. They still have a body. But that deep spirit dies that day. And when it dies, something is lost. What's lost? Let's read on. Now, go to chapter 3, verse number 8, 9, and 10. This is after they've sinned, and God is coming back to earth to do something. It's very interesting. Pay close attention to these words.
1: And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God
2: amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked.
0: Okay, so something happens. Now they feel separate from God, right? Because they sinned, and I told you, that's what happens, right? You feel that separation from God when you sin. And what did they do? They don't want to be close. God doesn't want to talk to us anymore. So they hide. Here's the interesting thing to pay attention to. Or we think about what's the secret of the Lord. When God's voice, it says God's voice, they heard when he was walking in the garden. Was it just his voice? Maybe. Was it a pre-incarnate Jesus that walked the face of the earth every day? Maybe. We don't really know more details than this, but we know he walked in the cool of the day, So it's the evening of the garden. He shows up. And what's important is they recognize his voice. Which means they've done it before. They've walked with God. Directly walking with God through a garden. Right? That's where we get the song, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses, right? Because we're walking with God and I hear His voice in that garden. It's about a relationship. There was a relationship. This is the secret of the Lord. When, when mankind's spirit is alive, the secret of the Lord means He can connect to you personally inside with that living spirit. When you die inside, when your spirit dies inside, there's no connection. And so it's foreign to everyone else around. Everyone doesn't get it. And so they search for these feelings and they say, well, I feel lonely. Why does one in four adults feel lonely? Why does one in three teens and one in two mothers feel lonely? Well, there's lots of reasons, but the ultimate reason is that there's something missing. The basis of who we are created to be is dead, it's gone. Right? You can live without physical parts of your body, right? and I guess you could probably live though it'd be painful without saying I'm never going to be happy again I'm never going to laugh again So my soul but your spirit is your connection your deep connection to God that's where the secret things happen inside your being deep inside your being in the spirit that's the secret things of God God is a spirit and he comes to us in spirit and truth. Right? So we see examples in the Bible and these are fascinating examples. You remember the woman at the well? Jesus comes up to the woman at the well. She's from Jesus Samaritan. Okay? She's getting a pitcher of water. He says, "Give me the pitcher. Give me a give me a drink." Uh and she says, you don't have anything to draw with, you don't have anything to drink with, and he said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. And then he proceeds to tell, well, you know, I don't really know who you are, and they have a conversation, and she basically says, well, you don't really know me. And he says, go back and get your husband. I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not. That woman all of a sudden turns and changes her approach. And at that moment, he, she says, this guy told me everything I ever did. Was wrong with her. Why did she have five or six different men? She's lonely. She's searching for something, right? Something really important and missing it again and again and again, right? So she tried to fill it with relationship and some people do this. Sometimes destructive relationships, sometimes relationships where people get hurt Again and again and again, and they go back and back and back to these things, and she's trying to fill the void and can't do it. And all of a sudden Jesus says, well, "What you're missing is the Spirit of God. God is a spirit and you can worship Him in spirit." And it gave her the understanding and the freedom, and he literally woke her soul up inside, from dead, being dead at that moment. And she said, he gave me, he told me everything I ever did. That's a weird thing to go around and say, hey, this guy told me I had five husbands. He told me every wrong thing I ever did. And she told everybody in town. Told everybody all about that. But at that point, no longer she, was she hiding. No longer was she trying to fill that void. That void all of a sudden was filled. That's... The secret of the Lord. That's the part where she was designed to have God in there. There was a French mathematician called Blaise Pascal. He is famous for a lot of things, including Pascal's triangle, which got ones, ones, and ones and twos and all the numbers laid out, and it's a whole triangle of numbers. And as you expand out polynomials, it's been a long time, you know. Uh, x squared plus whatever, plus whatever. As you expand those out, those are all of the sequence of numbers that are the coefficients to each of those. Brilliant guy. And he said, he did a lot of other things as well. He said, there's something missing inside of man. It's a vacuum. It is this void. And he said, and you could try to fill it with everything. Be the smartest man alive and it will not help you, he said, because that vacuum is God-shaped and only God can fill it. Right? God created us to have this. So, with God's connection with the secret of the Lord inside of us, us fearing God, being attentive to God, listening to God, not ignoring God, but being attentive to God, we begin to have that connection. And somewhere in this cycle, God helps us, all right, don't get to that point where you sin. And if you do sin, right? then I'm going to forgive you, I'll take away the guilt, and even if you did that, I don't want you to feel separated. He breaks it again and again, the cycle, at every single point. And he says, of course I want you, I love you. One of the most crazy verses is in Romans, and it says, God gave you freely His own Son don't you think he'll give you anything? If he gave you his one only son to die for you, don't you think he really loves you? Don't you think he cares enough to give you anything in this world? Because we often know God doesn't really love me. God doesn't really care for me. He's not really on my side. And when you understand what he's doing, you get to the secret of the Lord and understand and are attentive to what he's doing. You start to understand he cares for you more than anybody in the world. So he fills the void. He begins the process. Right? There are people, and we talked about one a couple weeks ago in Sunday School, Richard Wormbrand who lived absolutely alone in a prison cell for 14 years, solitary confinement. Was God enough? Yes, God was enough. And God personally visited him many times during that time frame. Doesn't mean he didn't miss his kids, his wife. Right? They're real things. And I told you, God created those relationships. He said, Those are good things. I create children in your family. I create brothers and sisters. I create uh, aunts and uncles. And the whole family unit grows. And it's all an extension of understanding God and how He created you. Right? Again and again and again, He does it. Now, he also, Jesus also met up with a man at the pool of Bethesda. And you remember the man at the pool of Bethesda? How long had he laid there? He was going to try to get in the water. He was going to try to get in there. Try to get healed. He was, from the waist down, he was paralyzed. Hadn't been able to walk for how long? Anybody know? 38 years. 38 years. That's a long time. That's more than any of you were ever alive. That's, I think, if you add all your ages up, it's, that <laughs> it's just about that long, okay? So, a long, long time this guy was laid there, and after a while, becomes depressed. He's lonely. No one's there with him all the time. He's just waiting to try to get in, and when Jesus comes and says, you want to be healed? He says, no one's going to help me get into the water. Every once in a while, the water is all bubbly. And an angel comes down and touches that water. And if I could get in there first, I could be the one to be healed. And Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to be healed? What he said is, I'm lonely. I have no one to help me. That was his answer. Jesus looks for lonely people. He knows when you feel lonely. He understands about feeling lonely. He himself was forsaken. Peter, his best friend, betrayed him. Judas sold him for money. Right? You say, well, I guess there's ten others, right? Ten others and more that were with him that night... It says in the book of Mark, I think, they all forsook him and fled. First, Peter gets up and chops the guy's ear off, and Christ says, no, this is not how we're doing this. And all of a sudden, things got real intense. And it said, those guys ran away. They were scared. They left Jesus to be arrested and taken away on his own. So Jesus knows what it's like to be forsaken by his friends. And then he was nailed on a cross and put up in the air to die with all the sins of the world on his back. And at that moment, God says, I have to turn my back on you because you have sinned. And he shouts out, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you abandon me? Jesus knows what it's like to be alone. No one else could walk his pathway. No one could understand what he had to do. He just had to do it. So he understands, he looks for those people that are lonely. He wants to touch the spirit. He wants to get the secret of the Lord into your heart. He wants you to be attentive to him. And he wants, he's looking for you. He's attentive to what you have and what you need. He knows those feelings of loneliness. He wants to be there every step of the way. He wants to do it. He knows what it's like to feel like he's here in a desert all alone. Like no one cares, like no one's on your side. He knows all those feelings, and it isn't a primal urge, other than when God created mankind, he said, all of that, right? You need God. You need a spirit connected with God. You need to walk with God like Adam and Eve used to do in the cool of garden. Right? They used to do it every single day. We have promises that says, God will not forsake me. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong, be of good courage. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. He promises it again and again and again in the Bible. He tells us, make sure you're listening. Make sure, make sure you know. That I care about you. I love you. I love you enough to send my only son for you. So when you feel abandoned by friends, family members, whatever it is, don't let yourself get into that cycle. Don't let sin take over. right? And when it's just outright abandonment from family, know this, family... Friends, I told you those relations, those human relationships were created by God, right? God says, do it, it's a good thing. But having that relationship with Christ, having the secret of the Lord, allows you to bring to that relationship mercy, forgiveness, truth, kindness, selflessness, and self-control, And so instead of driving further wedges in those relationships, God says, come with me, we'll walk this way, work with those people. Yeah, you feel lonely, you feel abandoned with those people, love them anyways. Even though they abandoned you, even though they forsook you just like I was forsaken, I was still there the whole time and waiting. So God says, step out and do things for those people, right? And when you begin to bring the center up to God, God says, go do this for this person. Go help this person. Go do this. Loneliness melts away, not because you filled your time with things to do, because things to do can make you very lonely, because it's not about that. It's about through God, through the secret of the Lord you learn how to deal with relationships with mankind. That's the best way to deal with them. They'll never be perfect. You'll always have problems and guess what? You'll give people problems too. And They'll need to have forgiveness for you and patience for you and kindness to you and all of those things. But that's how you deal with loneliness. It's not easy because it's a very painful thing to deal with. Loneliness is hard. You may have friends or family members who deal with this, who are depressed, who get down. It may be a very good opportunity because you understand where this comes from, right? It might be a good opportunity to show them kindness or show them love when they feel abandoned, when they feel lonely, right? So it's a problem in the church, it's a problem in the world, but we are there to understand God. We have the secret of the Lord. We can get out and go and share those things and share some of that with those people who feel lonely, other people, all right? Who knows what God will do through those opportunities that you take. All right, thank you very much.